Hello and welcome to another episode of Inside the Digital Health and Sales Locker Room. I'm your host, Josh Pappas. This is a special part one episode of a podcast series that is going to feature some rock star marketing leaders, both in healthcare as well as in the SaaS space. The goal is to help listeners understand marketing metrics, experiences, and bridge the knowledge gap between sales and marketing. Part one features Ashley, who's the marketing director at Carium, and Carlin, who's the VP of Growth Marketing at MedChat. Enjoy and make sure to subscribe, share, rate, and review anywhere you get podcasts, and make sure to stay tuned for the next couple episodes in this marketing feature. Thanks. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Excited to have Ashley and Carlin on as our first part of the marketing series. So um, welcome to the podcast, Ashley. I'll start with you to uh, introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley Dower, and I'm a marketing director at Carium. Uh, my first foray into marketing was working in public and media relations at an EHR vendor. And now I am more on the digital health side at Carium. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah. And over, over, over to you, Carlin. Yeah. Uh, Carlin Lee here. Um, I lead marketing at a company called MedChat. Uh, we automate healthcare communication at scale. So think about really any repetitive task uh, in healthcare across payer, pharma, um, and provider, like scheduling an appointment, getting your prior auth, or even enrolling in a clinical trial. Uh, we we work to basically automate that. Sometimes upwards of 65% of those communications can be automated. So it's a uh, Pretty interesting stuff, especially especially with AI. And um, I uh, I got my start in healthcare something like 15 years ago, so it's dating myself here. Um, and and actually the the origin story is you know rolling my sleeves up and actually working at a physician practice as an analyst and uh, you know getting a, a deep respect for kind of the craft and and the art and the science of medicine but was very interested in the business side of it. And, and so basically shifted for the rest of my career working in, in different um, commercial capacities across sales, sales engineering and marketing. So excited to chat with you guys today. No, it's great. And welcome both of you guys. Excited to dig in on some healthcare, some marketing and everything in between. So um, we, we typically start on the podcast. And so I'm really interested on your guys' take on this. So we kind of start with the patient and clinician impact. Um, so I think specifically to you guys, what I'm interested in is when you look at marketing, um, you know, kind of what stands out in your career on something that, you know, sometimes marketing gets, you know, wh wh whatever app, but how, how have you been able to translate your role into marketing and kind of seen that impact on the front lines? So, um, Carlin, I'll actually start with you and then get it over to Ashley. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you know, not sound cheesy, but it's all about impact and creating value for for patients. And if you do that, everyone in the the ecosystem wins. Um, and so, marketing certainly has a role to play there. And I think it's a a similar role as sales, right? Our, our besties in warfare uh, on the front lines, you know, communicating these new ideas to the stakeholders. It's that as a primary educator and an influencer to challenge these, you know, challenge some of the smartest people on the planet to do things differently uh, in, in the healthcare landscape. Um, and so, you know, I think um, for me, it always is education first. It's it's realizing that kind of no matter what you're doing in healthcare and healthcare digital, it's like it's a it's a shifting paradigm. And so you've got to be an educator. And uh, what I love about that from a marketing perspective and a sales enablement perspective 
is you can uh, do really fun things with data and, um, you know, not necessarily manipulate, but, but manipulate uh, um, and play to the fact that, um, you know, physicians and, and other folks really look at data and they value data. And so if you can craft a story and communicate how your, your product or service is actually driving an impact and, and solving key problems for physicians or, or, or patients, you know, you're educating and you're getting your sale and stuff. And so I love, I love surveys and infographics and, and, and all sorts of data nuggets that sales can leverage and, you know, uh, you know, get over the fence and get into the, in front of the physicians and, and other folks, uh, and, and make that sale. Yeah, no, it's great because I, I think once they're not necessarily on the front end uh, too keen on seeing all of this, but once you kind of dig in, it's, uh, it's it's really impactful. So what about you, Ashley? Same question to you on kind of that patient clinician impact. Yeah, so um, anyone who knows me knows that patient and care team stories are my absolute favorite part of my job. Um, so having come from the EHR world, I will say it was a little bit more difficult to dig up some of these impact stories. Um, but in my current role, they come in through various ways. So we have them coming in through patient experience surveys, Google Play and App Store reviews, which is super exciting that we have people that love our app so much that they actually go out to the Google Play Store and we'll put some great reviews up there. Um, I think one of my choosing my most memorable is definitely difficult, but I'd have to go with we had a patient named Mark Reed. Um, who is a cardiac surgery patient from Atrium Health. He actually found our chairman on LinkedIn after his experience using our app and thanked us for the great experience he had using the app um, and basically thanked us for creating the app. Um, so he shared that it really brought him and his wife peace of mind, knowing that he was connected to his care team in this digital kind of way. Um, and those stories always make me so happy. Um, and the care team stories as well, I think. Um, with all of the burnout and staff burdens that they're facing right now, being able to say using technology that you're able to alleviate some of those burdens, I think goes a really long way. Um, so hearing those stories, I think is always fantastic. Yeah, that's, 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 that's the Holy grail of it all. So that's, uh, that, that's, that's a fantastic story. Um, I'm interested in both you guys, you know, somewhat off, off the board, right? But um, are you kind of seeing, you know, maybe, maybe talk about, I know you alluded to it a little bit, Ashley, but um, Carlin, are, are, you, are you seeing things kind of post-COVID rapidly, you know, changing kind of how you guys, um, you know, operate as, as, as a marketing team or, you know, from, from, from a patient perspective, kind of talk a little bit about that change as things in healthcare have kind of gone digital overnight? Yeah, it's interesting. So my uh, my brother actually is a, a founder and CEO of a company and he's like, you know, work from office, work from office. And he's really he's really bullish on that. And I was joking with him the other day. I was like, work from home is not transitory. Um, and I said that because, you know, I'm obviously remote, but what I'm seeing and, and what I'm realizing is that the whole model of uh, direct sales and specifically physician sales, we can talk about other uh other channels and stuff, but specifically physician sales is physicians now are fully optimized for uh, higher productivity and in, in engaging with their sales reps. They want to have their schedule. They want to dial in and have, you know, four Zoom calls instead of a one hour meet and greet in person. And not that in person doesn't create a lot of value and that you shouldn't do it. It's just as much more efficient for everyone and cost effective, um, especially for the physician. And so, of course, we got to ladder into that and, and optimize that from a marketing perspective. Um, 
you know, we're, we're, we're doing a lot of uh, things around um, sales enablement and uh, workflow automation and really um, what I call productizing the sales process, which is like, you know, figuring out the ideal, if this, then this statement, uh, combining both sales and marketing resources to map, to map to the end goal as short as possible. And so it's almost like, um, you know, we're becoming, uh, you know, math men instead of madmen, where it's just the science experiment and it's all data to get that sale. And so, yeah, it is, it is, it all, it is all digital. It's, um, it's, it's remote. It's, you've got direct mail. It's less, uh, you know, meet and greets, but still high impact meet and greets. You know, trade shows are still alive and well. Uh, and we're going to be doing some of those, uh, tactically and have already done some tactically this year. Awesome. And then I guess Ashley, similar question to you. I mean, how are you guys kind of, um, you know, in your experience kind of keeping that, you know, human element as things have gone, you know, a lot of digital, uh, from, from the marketing perspective. Yeah. So I would say, um, we were working from home before working from home was cool. Um, so for us, it was COVID didn't really make it like a huge, it wasn't a huge drastic change or impact for us. Um, I will say, obviously conferences came to a halt. So we, really upped our game with regards to webinars. And now I think people are just so tired of being on video and on webinars um, that we did. Um, we have lessened that. Um, I think now everyone really is craving to be in person. So I think conferences are definitely where it's at again, um, which is super exciting because I love kind of that in-person connection. Um, I think from a marketing specific area, one good side of side effect of COVID is that people aren't expecting this like high quality, like super expensive production when it comes to video. So if you hop on a Zoom call and you do a quick video interview with a patient or someone on a care team, that's okay to use with small snippets in your marketing. It doesn't need to be this like great lighting. And I know you both have your great mics, but things like great mics and things like that. Um, I don't think people expect that like super high quality anymore for marketing. So I think it allows us to do more things like video on the fly. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a great point because I... I was going to say, I totally agree. It's interesting. Like you would, you would think it would be the opposite, right? Where it's like, um, you know, now it's all virtual. So it better be perfect because that's your, your moment in time, but it's actually the opposite. Obviously you want high quality, but just sort of scrappy, quick, um, you know, a little loom video, for example, like it's totally accepted and actually appreciated is what I'm seeing as well. Yeah, great points. Um, so we're going to switch over to uh, the next segment, and um, this one, uh, as as a as a lifelong salesperson, right? Um, you know, usually the we we connect with marketing, or I know a lot of different people, and say, you know, where's my leads? And you know, you, you guys send over the list and say, and all right, what's the top five list of things you need from marketing and sales, right? So uh, we'll we'll let marketing have the power here, and would love your kind of top ten. And, uh, and bottom kind of story of collaborating and working with sales, right? And so um, I'll start with with Ashley, with you on this, right? Take it whichever way to go, right? But the goal, I think, is to understand and uh, see some of the wins and challenges uh, kind of in that, in that working relationships between sales and marketing. So my favorite thing is that you immediately called out, give me leads, um, which I think is something that a lot of salespeople do. Um, and I think that's okay because I think that that is a part of marketing for sure. Um, but it's also really important to know that it is a part of what we do on top of brand presence, on top of media reach, on top of branding. 
and all of that good stuff. Um, so for me, I would say um, some of my like best stories more recently have been um, this year we really increased our brand presence. Or sorry, we really increased our event presence. And I think that that has definitely had a direct impact on our sales team and their schedules for sure. Um, so they've really, um, I think there has been some hesitancy there, but they've really jumped in for scheduling meetings and really helping us build that brand. Um, some of my, I would say, worst stories with regards to collaborating with the sales team is that I've been spending maybe eight years trying to convince my sales and also executives the power of social media. And Josh, I know you buy into this one, uh, but they don't all. Um, and I think um, I'll get into this a little bit later in some of the other questions that we'll talk about. But I will say that this is an area that I've started to make a little progress, which I'm excited about. Um, but this is an area that I've struggled with for sure. No, I love that. And yeah, we, we certainly can, can dig into that because I have strong feelings, you know, on, on both those. What about, what, what, what about you, Carla? <laughs> um, yeah, it's the, uh, the dynamic between sales and marketing is, is really fascinating. Um, because it's, it's one part, an internal client that you, you know, marketing needs to serve sales. Like it's literally your customer. Uh, but yet you have your own strategies that you need to drive and your kind of objectives that kind of map to a broader picture. And so it creates this, this constant friction where like this, this shared resource, it has sort of two different mandates, one short term and one long term. Um, which is, which is great. You know, it, it is what it is, but the, the challenge is that you, you start to get sort of friction when, when people get frustrated, when, when things aren't perfect, when we're getting beaten up in the field, it's really easy to kind of turn in on each other and be like, it's you, your fault, you, your fault. Um, and it's easy, easy for, uh, those, those two divisions to kind of point to each other because, you know, one is tasked with, uh, spinning up, you know, opportunities. Right. And then the other one is tasked with closing set opportunities. And so you need both to go perfectly to get the sale. And, and, and selling is not, is not easy or perfect, especially healthcare selling. And so it's just like it basically just expect it. It will exist. Um, and so you, if you take that approach and, and go into these situations, knowing that I will have friction with sales. Um, and, and that's okay. But like, let's embrace it. Let's assume positive intent. Let's work through things together. We'll, where one team is is kind of how you get it done. Um, it before I kind of talk about best and worst, I I, I totally want to go uh, dovetail what you said about like where's my leads. Um, it's first question is where's my leads? And I'm like, all right, well I'm going to spend a bunch of time curating this glorious database, you know, enrich it, upload it, organize it in HubSpot. So there's your leads. And by the way, they're MQLs. Okay. Um, okay. Thanks. Five minutes later. Hey, these leads suck. They're, they're all bad quality. And it's like, yeah, they're MQLs. They need to be qualified by a human being. And so, you know, uh, it, you got your leads. Let's, let's work it. Um, so yeah, it's, it, but it's really important. The database and, and kind of working through all that's important. So, um, so, so some, some stories, some situational stuff kind of, uh, bet, best and, and worse. Um, I think maybe let's start with worse. So, um, you know, kind of, uh, roll a couple, couple companies ago, uh, where, uh, just kind of friction with, with the head of sales who came into the organization after me. And I, you know, I came in, I came in very early and, uh, she had come in after, um, uh, you know, series A 
And uh, it was just sort of kind of immediate tension because, you know, I had set a lot of stuff up and, and she was a power player and really smart and stuff. Um, but but philosophically, we just had a different approach on how to kind of optimize the, the commercial infrastructure. You know, mine was kind of more programmatic, um, you know, outbound strategies, workflow automation, and 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 theirs was more uh, focused on kind of in, in field efforts and energy and stuff. And so it just created tension. And it was because there was just a mismatch in, in sort of expectations on how to kind of run and empower, uh, you know, the, the commercial team. Um, so, so now best best uh, kind of story or a good story, top top 10. Same company, even earlier, uh, I came in sort of in a consulting capacity, you know, had had you know very little time to kind of prove value. And I remember I came in and it was like, you know, within 60 days, I stood up uh, a really kind of uh, comprehensive um, outbound um, strategy using direct mail social, uh, playing to kind of the seasonality uh, of the holiday seasons and um, couldn't have done that without the one salesperson that was there at the time, right? There was like two salespeople, but one of them was like really kind of like my kind of co-pilot in this and helped kind of ideate on the campaign and provide voice of customer. And it was just like the, the classic way that it should be done where marketing is tapping into sales perspective on the customer and kind of, you know, uh, applying leverage with with the strategic marketing reels and stuff. And so it was just, it was scrappy, classic startup, and we absolutely crushed it. And it was classic partnership between sales and marketing. No, I love it. And and I think once those things work in harmony, as both of you guys, I'm sure, have seen, it can be, you know, just, um, you know, just, just really impactful, um, you know, and, and be impactful very quickly. Uh, you know, the worst, the worst marketing is when I, my second job in medical sales, physician practices worked for like a very kind of local non, you know, VC backed biotech and we didn't have a marketing person. So for about a two week period, uh, the founder and CEO asked me to make uh, deliverables. And so I was going to FedEx and printing out PDFs that I created myself and that is when I knew I was not destined for marketing, right? Because I printed those things out and I, I tempted to say a third or fourth grader might have uh, produced you know, some better content <laughs> or, or at least some better alignment, right? So that's when I knew divide and conquer on, on, on the marketing side. So I appreciate you guys sharing the story. So um, you, you both alluded to it, but uh, we're going to do a quick math time segment. So I think one of the challenges is, you know, you run into Salesforce, you see all these metrics. I know us as salespeople who get salespeople you know, we we talk about the metrics, uh, but a lot of times I know, um, you know, learning on the um, on the marketing side. So I um, would love to understand kind of what are those one or two key metrics that you guys both kind of measure, um, you know, your success from a marketing perspective. So um, I'll start with you on this one, Carla. Yeah, and I'll uh, <clears throat> I'll reveal my cards here. Um, I, you know, I'm a strong, strong believer and supporter of HubSpot in terms of their capabilities and their their UX and kind of customization without needing devs. It's just mind-blowing what you can do in there. Uh, Salesforce obviously is, um, you know, got the brand, the cachet, and you can do anything. And I've actually been at a company where we had both Salesforce and uh, HubSpot and a proprietary HIPAA secure database all communicating, and it, it was just the wildest thing ever. But HubSpot's your go-to solution, in my opinion. Um, and so on the metric side, right? Like that's what this is all about. Like it's, there's just 
so much opportunity uh, for metrics, um, you, you know, in this sort of digital age of, of sales and marketing, uh, you know, kind of kind of rev ops, right? When you think about um, growth marketing, you know, you've got demand gen, you've got product marketing, and you've got rev ops. And so rev ops is, is, you know, looking across the entire funnel. How's marketing doing? How's it working with the handoff to sales, sales to CS, all the way to rev rec. And, uh, and so you got to be a student of, of data and, and be, be uh, comfortable in it, but you got to pick, you got to pick your kind of metrics that matter and make sense for your business and that you can feel comfortable kind of optimizing against. And then, and then, you know, continue to build out the bench in terms of what you're kind of tracking. One that I love that's kind of top of funnel or very top of funnel is, uh, the MQL to SQL ratio. So you think about, you know, your CEO is like, we gotta, we gotta go get customers. It's like, what's the TAM, right? Like, what, what is the universe that I'm w- working with? And, you know, we, we all get out there and we try to, you know, curate that list of leads, you know, those MQLs. And then essentially you, you turn on the machine and you start kind of working against them with sales and marketing and tactics and all sorts of stuff. And you start creating SQLs. And so understanding that ratio of how qualified is the TAM, you know, from my expectations is really an interesting that, thing to track over time, uh, especially if you're doing market development or you're in a company um, such as mine where it's, you know, we're provider pharma, you know, uh, payer. And so you can kind of understand, uh, you know, the delta across all those. So that's a key one, top of funnel. And then the other one that I love, love, love is essentially, so so imagine all your deal stages, your, you know, demo schedule, demo completed, uh, you know, contract sign, EHR, uh, access given, blah, blah, blah. So you have all of these deal stages and you got to get really crisp with that. And I actually like taking, like having the deal stages, you know, go into, you know, post close one, right? So it's, you know, you don't win the deal when you sign the signature, it's, it's rev rec. And so have a little bit, bit of your deal stage go into customer success. And so you got your deal stages. They're all tight and, 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 um, well, well crafted and logical and objective. And, and the thing that I love is looking at duration in inside of uh, with a heat grid over it. So you've got your deal stages, you know, going from left to right, and then from top to bottom, you got months, right? And then you overlay a heat grid, so you can see, you know, what month and what deal stage did I have the highest or the the longest duration? How many, uh, you know, days on average? And it's it's a it's cool to look at, and it's fun to show off to your CEO. They think it's pretty cool. But it's super actionable because instantly you know where I need to focus, right? It's right here. This this area of the pipeline needs the most focus because it's the the it's the longest. And what can we do about it? So those are those are kind of two things that uh, just just some examples riff on. No, I love those, and I think there's a lot of um, you know conversations as a, as a salesperson. I know I you know we see the those singular things, but being able to layer before and after, and then and then overall that ratios is super important. What about you, Ashley? What what are the uh, kind of one or two you would you would point to in, in in your experience that are super critical? Yeah, so one thing that I love that Carlin said is really just pick your met- pick the metrics that matter to you. Um, so I think that that's one thing that's really important. You need to just kind of choose your metrics and then track them over time. So you can look back a year, two years later and really make sure that you're tracking against those numbers. Um, so we track various metrics that really help us measure our success from social media metrics to media reach, email performance, number of MQLs and so on. 
Um, some of the metrics that I really like digging into within the Google Analytics is the website views, the traffic, and really the behavior on the website. Um, I feel like I think that at the end of the day, our goal really is to be driving people to our website so that we can turn them into MQLs and then turn them into SQLs. Um, and I think it's really important to look into what content is impactful, um, what content are people reading, what content, um, where should we be spending our time creating more content, where should we be spending less time creating content. Um, so I think that really looking into that behavior on the website is really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more, right? And, um, and, and, and I think it's, it's, it's being able to drive, you know, a lot of that front end stuff to get to the, uh, to the MQLs. Um, I'm curious for both of you guys, you know, somewhat off the board, but you know, what do you, in your mind, what metric do you think is the most, um, you know, friction point or least understood, you know, by sales, right? Is it that kind of, you know, front end period that you just described or what would you point to, you know, maybe Ashley that, um, you know, that, that is the biggest at odds from sales and marketing from a metric perspective? Um, so I would say media reach. Um, and the reason why I mentioned that one is because sometimes actually we've gotten a question about this recently um, where we showed our media reach and the team was like, so where did you get that from? Um, so I, I think that there just wasn't that concept of you can actually grab that number. And I think um, presence is something that we're just really focused on right now and building out our brand and just getting people to recognize who Curium even is. Um, so I think um, tracking that media reach because we're putting so much time and effort into public and media relations right now, tracking that reach over time, I think is super important. Um, and just really sharing with the sales team or making the executives aware of where those metrics are even pulled from and what media reach even means. Yeah, no, really, really like that one. And I've, I've been a part of a couple, you know, where it's like, what? That's that's that, that, that's crazy that we have you know have that reach right the similar you know where where, where did you get that right um, what about you Carlin where where do you see that you know kind of biggest friction point or the biggest metric that's that's at odds from uh, marketing sales I uh, first I agree with the the confusing nature of earned media versus you know I guess earned media is confusing can be confusing until you kind of understand it um, you know. For me, I think it is a lot of the, the, the top of the funnel stuff, right? Um, you know, how does, how is awareness making an impact is obviously, you know, the million dollar question for everyone at companies. But, but I think it's, you know, below awareness and kind of working through leads and qualifying the database. That's, that is the most difficult stuff. Um, both from like a confusion perspective and just sort of, uh, an angst perspective because it's it's just not fun. Like sales totally understands I'm in a demo. I need to close this. And then the follow up there, like a good salesperson, if you get them in a demo and, and you have a decent product, they're going to close and they love it. Like that's, that's, everyone loves that. Like that's where the, that's the fun stuff. Um, what's not fun is potentially getting to those, to those points. And so, you know, that's why I like the kind of rate ratioing uh, MQLs, or SQLs over MQLs, because it is qualifying the the database and kind of building out, um, you, you know, that roster of potential targets. Um, and so, so yeah, it's it's not fun. Top of the funnel is not fun, and it's confusing, right? You've got, uh, you know, we got Gong, and, and I'm not necessarily speaking of exactly my current company, but just in general, you've got all of these different like tech sales enablement, uh, you know, gizmos and widgets and stuff, and it's just constantly like 
hey, sales team, like, let me train you on this new amazing thing. And don't worry, it's easy. You just have these 15 steps that you need to add to your routine. Um, so it's that top of the funnel stuff is just, it's just painful because uh, it's so it's so tedious. And and yeah, that's, I think, where a lot of the, the confusion and frustration can happen um, as it relates to metrics and, and kind of sales and marketing playing together. You mean yeah, they no, can't cold they... email them? <laughs> no. They can't Seriously. just take all those MQLs and just blast them with emails? It's not, it's not your strategy? <laughs> just launch them. Just start sending random emails. No plan, no, no, no sequence. Just say anything. <laughs> the, the lead, the lead, the lead list is just you know, hit hit search all on definitive, right? What what are you guys talking about? I mean, that's, that's the playbook one one. Um, oh man! All right, perfect segue, Carlin, into all right tech booster, right? You know, so we talked a little bit about you know, you know HubSpot and some of the other ones, but you know, kind of is is there a marketing a kind of a, a more marketing specific tool that either of you guys kind of you know swear by, or you've seen um, you know, something cool here recently to be able to, uh, kind of, kind of live without. So I'll start with you, Ashley. Um, so this one is completely out of the box and it's not what someone would normally consider a marketing tool. And I had, um, kind of talked about this a little bit in one of my earlier responses, but I would say social media. Um, and I get it. It sounds so silly. Um, but just give me a minute here. Um, so um, to me, LinkedIn and Twitter really are a direct connection to so many different people that you're trying to get in front of. Um, so it's a direct connection into media contacts, a direct connection into clients, prospects, industry thought leaders. Um, so you really can get to know someone by just seeing what they're posting on social media. Um, it really gives you an opportunity to get to know them. And then at the same time, it all also gives you an opportunity to really build relationships with them. Um, in an organic way that doesn't seem intrusive. So sometimes I think email can seem a little bit intrusive. Um, but if you are liking someone's post and commenting on their post a couple of times on social media, then it's not as weird for them to shoot you a message about something that they saw that you posted about. Um, so to me, it seems like a very organic way to build relationships with people. And then when you do email them or you do connect with them it, through another area, um, I don't think they're as... Um, like put off by you reaching out to them. Um, so I think social media is a really underutilized tool um, that people could make more use of with regards to um, sales. Yeah. And follow-up question there, Ashley, do you, you know, have you kind of seen, and it might be too early, right? Because I think that you've seen not too many um, you know, sales or sometimes even companies have embraced that strategy. Right. Um, but, you know, around social media, do you find that it's the individual or the company or how, how have you kind of you know, seen that um, play out to be the best strategy within, you know, within social media? Sure. So for me, social media is all about the person. Um, so I think it's great for a brand to have a presence on social. And I think it's really important for them to, as people are commenting on their posts or commenting on things that they're sharing, I think it's important for a brand to interact with someone but I think it's much better for the person-to-person -person connection. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely lean more towards um, the person on there. Awesome. Yeah, and Carlin, over, over to you on the, um, the, the tech booster question. But um, also, you know, if, if you have any thoughts on the, on the social media aspect of things. Yeah, I definitely want to dovetail that. I, I totally agree. Like LinkedIn is sort of this super app for sales and marketing because it's, um, you know, one part, an intelligence tool um, to, to, you know, for a salesperson to get really smart 
about, you know, like maybe they've got these 10 leads that are sitting in front of the CRM and, and kind of go, go check out those 10 leads and, and get real smart about them prior to engaging. So it's, it's one part like business intelligence tool. And then another part, it, it, it's this whole kind of communication platform where you can be strategic in your outreach. And you're right, you know, it's social. So it's an organic connection versus, you know, that, that cold email, which can be abrasive, right? Like all of us, you know, get, get cold emails. Um, I, uh, so I love, I love LinkedIn, uh, from a sales, uh, to, to target perspective. You know, obviously you got to have a presence there and have some content, uh, as a company, um, and, and leverage that just as your other channels like, uh, like email. Um, on, uh, on like tech, uh, tech boosters, tech, tech enablers, there's a lot of interesting stuff out there. Um, you know, you, you go to, the HubSpot marketplace, for example, and my God, there's like thousands and thousands of apps in there now. It's it's just it's just insane. It's like what what am I looking at? Like how is this possible? There's like a you know thousand plus ecosystem partners that I can kind of plug and play with my CRM natively. Um, so you know part of that is bad because it's you got to like vet these vendors and figure things out and stuff. But it, it means that there's a lot of cool innovation happening as it relates to kind of B to B commercial enablement uh, technology vendors. And so one of them that that I I'll probably plug to one of them, and they better give me a good deal. I'm trying to negotiate with them right now for my my new company. Um, so uh, Postal.io is a, uh, a direct mail, right? Yes, I'm gonna make myself antiquated. It's a, a automated direct mail. Uh, technology vendor that plugs into into HubSpot. And so, you know, think about direct mail. You can do the basic stuff. Here's my postcard, you know, why my company? And then, you know, maybe send a different postcard and then maybe send like a little kind of cute, uh, you know, package that's branded or whatever. And so they can do all that stuff. What's really amazing about it is that it, it, it plugs directly into the CRM, obviously, and and it's this sort of intelligence automation where you can you know have workflows that will trigger different uh, parcels of mail at different points in time um, based on what sales is doing and what the contact has done or has not done or how much duration has happened in between it, right? So it it is this very interesting sort of uh, ability to tell like a, a story, a sort of communication arc over over direct mail uh and, and to make an impact and, and the reason you know so direct mail is kind of interesting is is because in healthcare right it's still a lot of paper right fax is HIPAA secure so they're checking the fax machine mail they're they're checking the mail and so uh you know you can you can actually end up on the physician's desk you're sit on the your your mail sitting on the physician's desk and that's where you want to be um, and then the other thing about direct mail that's really powerful is you got more real estate, right? You think a digital, digital ad, uh, it's just this kind of quick text and, you know, um, you know, image and you got to make an impact quickly. But with direct mail, it's, it's bigger, right? And it kind of sits there and it lives there and, until it ends in the garbage inev- inevitably. But yeah, so postal.io and then real quickly, uh, another one, uh, Sakari is a, a, uh, another plugin to HubSpot that does, um, you know, text messaging, right? So you can kind of automate text messaging from the CRM, really simple things like, you know, they book a meeting through the meeting link. And then, and and then if mobile number is known, send text message to confirm, 
uh, hey, great, you know, don't you know, don't forget Dr. Smith that we're connecting in in 30 minutes. Really simple thing, you know, really simple, like that's basic, but it's powerful, right? When you think about scale and, and multiple touch points where you can lose leads and conversion rates. No, two great, two, two, two great ones. And I think you alluded to it earlier, Carlin, it can, you know, the, the tech stack can be your biggest, you know, accelerator, but then it also too can uh, draw you, draw you into the mud, right? If it's, you know, if it's too much or people aren't utilizing it to the best. So um, that'll be interesting to see how things kind of um, you know, play out. Right. Um, I just, you know, had a, had a great uh, opportunity to talk with uh, somebody. I think one of my favorite cool new tools is uh I don't know if you're either of you guys are familiar with lavender AI um, and lavender and kind of what they do, but um, they do some AI assisted, um, you know, cold, cold outreach, cold email, right. Where it, you know, you can go fire it up and it kind of helps you grade uh, your, your email to make sure it's number one personalized, but has the highest chance of, uh, of reply rate. So I talked to some of them and it was super interesting, right. Because a lot of times in true startup form, right. There's no, SDR team, it's uh, you, marketing, sales founder, whoever else sending out emails to try to uh, drum up some business. So, um, all right, well, switching gears, final, uh, you know, final, final couple areas, uh, but would love to, I know you guys talked a little bit about it, but love to spend some time just kind of, you know, understand a little bit more about your company, who you guys, you know, kind of, you know, sell or market to and um, what's kind of unique. So I'll, I'll start with you, Carlin, on, um, on, on the final segment. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, my, my current company MedChat. I talked about early how early on, how we basically, uh, automate, uh, healthcare communication at scale, um, and, and basically automate repetitive tasks. Um, and so like, what the hell is that? Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, t- give me some examples. And so what's, what's really cool about this is you, um, you know, you think about how kind of user preference has changed and continues to change with technology, right? Like we're on our phones. Uh, we don't necessarily like making phone calls. We, you know, our propensity to open a text is like 90%, whereas, you know, picking up a random phone number that you don't recognize is negative 5% or so. So, so the mobile phone and, and, and essentially this concept of chat is, is incredibly powerful. Um, as it relates to the ability to kind of optimize healthcare and healthcare delivery and access. And so think about like a use case or an intent, as we call them, where, uh, where it's like, um, you know, it's a, a provider wanting to enroll a patient in benefits, right? Uh, you know, typically what they'd have to do is, um, you know, provider enroll a patient in a pharma benefits, to be clear. Uh, so what they'd have to do is either fax something over or write, write in something, fax it over to a hub where a human makes an outbound call to kind of figure stuff out. Or the provider has to log into a, a physician portal. And by the way, they're all unique. So basically every single brand across pharma has a different physician portal and log in and, and somehow the physician's going to do that and, and submit it digitally. Well, um, you know, a use case that we do and, and what we're doing is imagine you visit the the portal. So Dr. Google's XYZ drug, they inevitably land on the portal. And right there on on the right-hand side, you have, you know, hey, like let's let's chat or enable chat. And they can click in there and via a combination of topics. So like, you know, you know, top five most common situations or conversational AI, the provider can engage 
and, you know, get credentialed, matched to a patient all in a HIPAA secure uh, environment um, and, and, and get, get their problem solved right there without ever having to log into the portal. And so it actually adds new utility to the portal where, you know, these brands aren't going to not invest on their websites. Of course they are, and they should. And so basically being able to add utility and automation and or elevate to an agent when, when is needed. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's what we're doing. And, and what's cool about it is it's not just on uh, secure portals where we can credential people. It's on public websites. It's via QR codes over, um, over mail. It's outbound text messages to then click into our secure chat environment. It's really anywhere and everywhere that communication is happening and kind of ebb and flow is happening in healthcare. You, you can have our tech um, and, and have workflows that interact with these patients. And then importantly, update the, the back end, the source data, right? So it's not just chatting with the patient to sort of answer high level communications. It's like, oh, you're curious about your prescription, you know, refill. Like, let me check on that for you and actually ping in the database to solve those problems in real time and never actually have to uh, involve a human or only involve a human if, if it needs to be escalated. And so, yeah, that's what that's what we're doing across um, uh, payer, provider, and and pharma, and we've been doing it since 2010. And um, things are blowing up. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah, no, I, I can only imagine. I, mean, I think if everybody has their own personal story, right? Whether you're a patient, whether you're a clinician, or whether you're kind of um, you know even in that um, executive role, right? Of like how truly arduous that can be in that process, right? So that's that's really exciting stuff. Um, over to you, Ashley. Uh, Karen's doing some some really great work, uh, but would love uh, you know your time to shine on um, you know kind of what you guys are doing and and, and what's what, what's in the future. Sure. Um, so Carium is a care experience platform delivering the next generation of advanced virtual care technology. Um, so within one cohesive ecosystem, we um, the end-to-end -end care journey really is made actionable, personalized, and efficient for both the care teams and the people that they serve. Um, so Carium is very much centered on the patient and has been really since our inception. Um, which is interesting that um, being in healthcare, um, a lot of companies aren't. Um, so that is a differentiator, which is kind of mind boggling. Um, so we really help health systems, payers, providers, and healthcare innovators to um, improve their health outcomes, lower costs, support care equity, and um, relieve care team burdens across multiple clinical programs and departments. Um, so we work with um, some really innovative health and innovative health systems. Um, Atrium Health, um, Atrium Health Workforce Baptist, and then also um, some smaller companies that are really doing innovative things within healthcare um, speed up their um, speed to market um, because we have this um, large ecosystem um, that this platform that really incorporates various port, um, parts of virtual care. Um, so if they have an innovative idea rather than spending $20 million to create the tech to go along with their innovative care delivery idea, um, they can really use our technology, private label it, um, and then increase uh, or speed up their um, market, their speed to market value. 
Love it. Med Chat and Carryome, it's it's been super excited. Um, so if you're not you know currently following them, make sure to um, we'll, we'll make sure all the show notes and um, the websites uh, listed in there. But it's really exciting. They're they're doing some innovative work, and it's good too, Ashley, that you guys are doing you know work right here in, in my backyard here in, in North Carolina. I'm, you know, based here in Charlotte. So it's, it's awesome to see the work uh, locally here with, with Atrium. So that's fantastic. Well, Ashley and Carlin, appreciate you joining and excited to, um, you know, to tune in. You guys are the first episode, but um, we're, we're, we're going to run through lots of different uh, conversation with marketers, right? So the goal is, is, you know, everybody's going to go back to their, to their marketing team. We're going to have perfect armor need with sales, right? No, <laughs> nothing, no, nothing, nothing close to that, right? That, but we'll be able to uh, understand each other more. So I uh, appreciate you guys joining the podcast. Later. Thank you so much for having us. Nice to meet you, Carlin. Thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast. Special thanks to Carlin and Ashley for joining the podcast. Stay tuned for the next couple episodes as we continue to feature some marketing leaders and our exploration on sales versus marketing. Make sure to subscribe, rate, share, and review wherever you get podcasts. And make sure to check out the show notes and subscribe to the newsletter to make sure you stay up to date on everything sales and digital health. Thanks.